The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech podcast feed. It is time to see what is in my shorts. I mean, it's time for Sovereign Shorts. <laughs> and wow, is Techtober in full swing. Of course, we're just at the end of October here. So I guess, well, maybe there's still time for uh, some tech company to come out with something and have some kind of crazy announcement. Uh, it seems like nearly every tech giant had something uh, you know, to, to announce in some kind of event, uh, to go on. I mean, we had Microsoft, Google, Apple, Facebook is ending it off. Samsung even tried to get in on the game. Uh, everybody, I mean, did, did Amazon, did Amazon have anything this month? I think they did last, maybe they did early in the month. It was either end of September or earlier in October when they announced the, the new Kindle Paperwhite, uh, like the, what did they call it? The signature edition Paperwhite actually looked really nice. Um, you know, waterproofing, all that jazz, the warm light, you know, in the different backlight. Anyway, looked very, very, very nice. As longtime Sovereign Tech listeners know, uh, I am a big fan of e-ink readers, and uh, I certainly have my eye on that one. Just has insane battery life, USB-C, all, all the good stuff. Um, not that my Kindle Oasis ninth generation is in any kind of rough shape. Um, I mean, they certainly built those things to last. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that during this Sovereign Shorts, where we talk about the little subjects, even though this is you know, going to be a bunch of big subjects, but one we're not going to get into is, uh, Facebook's rebranding to meta. Now to be clear, what they did is the company is now called meta. So Facebook, the service, you know, the, the online piece of shit, the, I mean, the, the, you know, social media, uh, website, that's not rebranding. Okay. No Facebook properties are rebranding. It's just going to be like the company itself that owns WhatsApp, Instagram, Oculus, Facebook.com, and so on is now called Meta, similar to how Google, you know, created its own parent company called Alphabet. Anyway, we're not going to discuss that here, but I'm well aware of it. Um, I have been wanting to do an episode around this concept of the metaverse in general, Um you might guess how I feel about it, but we will save that for, and that won't be a sovereign short. That's going to be a long one, but to be sure the metaverse does that, you know, that concept, um, does have some bearing on what we are going to get into here. And what I am doing here is giving you other than the, you know, talking about the Zuckerverse, I'm sorry, the metaverse <laughs> meta, <laughs> I like that better. Just calling it the Zuckerverse. Um, other than, you know, beside beyond that, I do want to talk about, and there's no point in talking about what, what Samsung is doing. Uh, Cause they just like, they just seem to just pop in. It's like, Oh no, we're here too. <laughs> After Apple and Google back to back Monday, Tuesday, you know, make these big announcements. Um, even though Apple's wasn't about smartphones, but you know, earlier is about, well, what was that in September when they talked, I guess theirs was their initial event was in September about the iPhone 13. There's something to talk about that here. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about some of what Microsoft, you know, announced earlier on. Um, and then we will get into, 
well, Microsoft's that was also in September. It just it's also because Windows 11 was part of Techtober. I mean, it all just blends together into like, or what do we, should we call it? Like Tech Fall? That'd be nice, but. <laughs> You know, if you took the real meaning of those words, uh, anyway, whatever we're going to call it, we'll say it's all part of Techtober. And I'm just going to get into, you know, a lot of the hardware that was really discussed, um, you know, in the month of October with all of these events. And really, you know, as far as Microsoft, actually, there's not a whole lot to really talk about. Um, you know, they did refreshes on their surface line. None of it really was anything that excites me. I like the that the surface is the very different form factor that it is and that that exists okay uh certainly other companies have jumped on top of it with the two-in-one whatever uh you know and that's kind of become a thing i think it's eventually it's either going to stay niche or just fall away um i appreciate that you know their what is it their studio laptop that i mean that all kind of looked very interesting um i'm not bullish on touchscreens on laptops whatsoever. Um, I, I'm not going to say I refuse to buy one that has a touchscreen on it because sometimes you don't have a choice, right? Like if you were somebody who's in say the market for a Chromebook, which there is a valid place for a device like that. Okay. I mean, it I'd never make it a main computer, but you know, there's arguments to be made for why somebody would have a Chromebook. Uh, that's not for this sovereign short. Cause this is a short, right? <laughs> we try to keep it around 15, 20 minutes. Um, but sometimes, you know, like the best, the best Chromebooks only have touchscreens. So you don't really have a choice in that, in that matter. But in general, I refuse to buy into touchscreens. I applaud, um, Apple for not falling into that. And, you know, credit where it's due, there's going to be some more applauding of Apple, uh, as we get into this. Um, but again, so I appreciate what Microsoft, you know, brings out there in that there are these different form factors. Uh, they don't excite me. If you're into that, you know why you're into that. And it means something to you, but for the masses, not really. The only thing I really like that they do is the surface go. And they did, you know, announce a new, uh, a new model in this, in the surface go line was it the surface go three now. Um, and that, you know, I mean, it's nice, but it's still like way too underpowered, uh, to be taken ter terribly seriously, but that's the only one that I, I really like, um, because it does feel a bit more tablet first. And I like the really small form factor, like the 10 inch, uh, or nine inch, actually, I think that it is a form factor. I dig that, but there's not a whole lot to talk about there. Of course, the surface duo two, um, their smartphone, their clamshell smartphone, uh, they're foldable was also announced and is now available in the wild at the end of October. Um, you know, I mean, the reviews for that are basically, you know, yeah, they improved upon the surface duo one, but there's still a lot of problems here. Now there's an old, uh, uh dare I say adage or, or wisdom in Microsoft land. And that is Microsoft doesn't get it right until the third iteration of a product. Now it's funny with the surface duo because when uh, panos Panay announced the first surface duo, what was that a year ago over a little over a year ago, he said, don't think of this as a first generation product. Like he knew about that adage, right? He's like, you're, you know, that, that, like that meme, that, that thought, uh, he's like, he's don't think of this as a, as a first iteration product. This has gone through multiple iterations already. Well, we find out that's not exactly true. I like the idea personally, you know, like I, again, it's 
yes, let's have options in form factors. Um, I do like the idea. I mean, they came up with some, you know, one of the major things that they solved is being able to see notifications, uh, even when the clamshell is closed, because there's like, you know, not, not like a curve, but there's like a, a lip out to, or, you know, where you can see into it and you can see a notification, which is nice as a camera bump. That's obviously becoming very commonplace, uh, with smartphones now, um, including one we're going to get into here, that being the, uh, Google pixel pro or pixel six pro. We are going to talk about that, but if you're ultimately wondering, what do I think about, you know, the surface duo two, um, right now I'm thinking, wait on, if you want something like that, which again, I think is a fine idea. You know, I like that, that mobile workstation, you know, kind of style for it, but it's still pocketable as compared to say a surface lap, you know, or a, a surface, uh, a standard surface. Cause of course there's a surface laptop with that's just a normal laptop. Um, you know, I'd say wait on the surface duo three, cause I think they still have kinks to work out on this. And also one of the things we found out in Techtober um, or October, if you're in the crypto space, but one of the things we found out this month is that Google is developing uh, a new version of Android. So Android 12 came out this month and also they are developing what's called Android 12 L and the L the 12L is specifically for foldable devices. Now, at Google's uh, Pixel event this month in October 2021, people were expecting a surprise announcement of a Google foldable phone. Um, that didn't happen, but I think that a lot of the leakers were essentially saying, that sounds funny, but anyway, <laughs> what, they were, what they really picked up on was that Google, Google was developing a new version of a specific version of Android for foldable devices. Now this might be another thing where the surface duo three is good to wait on. Um, I don't, you know, th this idea of there being like two versions of Android like that, like one that's built for foldables and then one for, you know, for smartphones that are a little more standard. Um, you know, unless the whole industry is going to go foldable, which if Android wants to get ahead of the curve, no pun intended on curve because most Android phones, including the pixel six pro has a curved screen. Uh, if Android wants to get ahead of the curve on Apple and make foldable like a, a, you know, kind of a standard for Android devices, I don't really have a problem with that. I just, I don't know that I want them developing like two different versions of the operating system. Okay. Because the fractured nature, okay. Of, you know, of, and of the Android ecosystem in itself has been a problem just for way too long. And with security updates, you know, like the more SKUs and versions you have to deal with, just the worse security is going to get, right? Complexity is the enemy of security, as we say. So I'd much prefer that they stick with one, okay? Like either make 12L or 13L when it comes, whatever. Either make the L version of Android, uh, you know, the one that is, you know, the, like the standard, and then force, you know, whatever other phone manufacturers to, you know, come out with a flat screen version of it, you know, let them do the skinning on that matter, but make L the standard, you know, just, just don't, don't split it. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't fracture the Android ecosystem any more than it is already. Okay. Uh, that's, that, that's, that's my, my concern there. But like I said, I mean, that could be something very helpful for the Surface Duo 3 is that Android suddenly 
handles, you know, foldables by default, you know, and, and that, so I'm there, I'm okay with that. And if Google, again, if their next pixel wants to be, uh, if they want it to be a foldable, the pixel seven or whatever, Hey, great. You know, no, no, no problem. And I guess while we're talking about the pixels, let's quickly get into what Google announced. Um, not going to get into the headphones here. Like I, I don't, I don't see that as, as necessary. Uh, but they did announce two new phones, um, the Google pixel six, and of course the Google pixel six pro, um, the six is more or less just the smaller, even though not by much, though, probably looking at it, it's significant, but it's the, just the little sibling to the pro to the pixel six pro, uh, the pixel six has a 6.4 inch OLED screen. And then the pixel six pro has a 6.7 inch. So it's, you know, a little bit bigger. Um, I mean, the resolutions are wildly different. Like the resolution on the, on just the normal pixel six is 2400 by 1080. And then on the pro it's 3120 by 1440. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty big uh, jump. Um, the other major difference between the two, yes, obviously there's a difference in battery life between the two, but, um, the, the pixel six pro has 12 gigabytes of Ram as to where the pixel six just has eight gigabytes of Ram. Um, that's fucking insane <laughs> You know that we're in a world where eight gig and 12 gig are like standards, uh, for, for Ram on, on a phone, but okay. Uh, obviously most of that has to do with, you know, photo processing, video processing, handling the 4k, you know, as, as well as, you know, taking, you know, like pictures and video content, as well as what it displays, um, on the screen itself. But other differences, uh, both phones offer 128 gig and a 256 gig, uh, onboard storage option. Uh, the pro also has a 512 gig, uh, option and none of them come with micro SD card slots for expansion, which that's how Google phones have been made, you know, since the Nexus days, that's not a surprise at all. Of course, both have uh, 5G um, capabilities, which that may be a deal killer uh, for a lot of listeners, you know, that, okay, as 5G, I'm just not going to touch it. I understand that completely. Uh, the The pro version sells for, starts at $899 and then like just gets above the $1,000 range when you go into like the 512 gig uh, onboard storage range. And then the, the normal pixel six is, uh, is five ninety nine, you know, with the, with the one twenty eight option. Now I think there's two major things that get talked about with these phones. Um, and there, and one of them is okay. The other is, Hmm, now that's interesting. So the one is, now like the pixel series of phones, part of their popularity and, and they've really been like a niche line of of smartphones. Uh, well, I think there's three things that lead to their popular, to any kind of popularity or why, you know, their people are so rabid about pixel phones. One is they get the quickest and best and longest, um, updates of any other smartphone line, uh, in the Android space. And meaning that like it gets multiple version upgrades to Android, it gets longer, uh, security updates. Like I think I think the pixel six line is getting is promised three version upgrades. So I think that's going to take you up to like Android 15. And then beyond that, it gets five years or not beyond that, but it also gets five years total of, um, you know, of security updates 
is my understanding. So that's a very popular feature and well worth getting Pixel phones on its own to get the latest in security. When you think about how much you do with your smartphone, having the latest security as quickly as possible, obviously that's fucking essential. No argument from me on that. Okay. Um, the other part that people get excited about with the Pixel line are the cameras. Um, Google's cameras blow away seemingly. I mean, I'm not much of a, f- you know, photographer and even, even in an amateur sense, I, I really don't care. Um, but I know there are people who care about this sort of thing and you know, the pixel phones are the pixel, the cameras on pixel phones, apparently, you know, by people who do care blow away, um, everybody else's, including Apple's, uh, cameras. I mean, just blow them away. So that's another popular part. And the software is, excellent as well. Like in fact, with the pixel six, they have now what's called magic eraser, which allows you to remove all kinds of shit from pictures. And now it's not perfect. Um, you can't make like, like a perfect forgery or kind of a deep fake necessarily, uh, one that would trick people, but it does. A re- I, I've seen the demos and it is pretty impressive what it can do. Uh, it will, you know, it can remove like entire backgrounds. It can remove entire people from the photo and so on. It's, it's pretty impressive what you can do there. So for photographers, I get it where this is a huge deal. Um, the other part that was, so, I mean, there's those things and, you know, when you think of, you know, options, software options like magic eraser for photos, um, obviously don't believe a goddamn thing you see on the internet, right? Like don't believe a picture, even though these aren't that good yet. Uh, just, just don't believe it. Um, Magic Eraser does point at a larger point that I'm going to make a li- in just a few minutes here. Okay. When it comes to Apple. So, but I want to discuss it. Uh, the other big deal here is this is, is this coming? Are these coming with a Snapdragon processor? What are these coming with? You know, is Qualcomm behind this? No. Uh, Google for the first time ha- is, is releasing their own, uh, you know, their own SOC. Their, this is their own processor. Uh, the tensor chip as it's called. Um, And this looks really impressive and it is the direction in my opinion that Google needs to go. Now I'm not just saying it because it's Google. I'm saying every company should be going this way. Um, I've talked about it a million times with with Nintendo. I've talked about even with Microsoft and its surface line, uh, even though they're not really going there uh, or not going the distance that Apple and Google have gone. I've talked about this with Apple, with the M one. Okay. You know, and, and of course before that the a nine and so on. Having that beautiful synergy between, you know, having one company develop the software, you know, the operating from the operating system up, the software and the hardware creates the most secure and best user experience possible. But what I think is most interesting about the Tensor chip is that it's handling a lot of the, now these terms get bantied about, of course, you know, the artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, that it handles a lot of what that, you know, a lot of what they want to apply AI and ML to on a phone. And if you're worried about what they're doing, I don't blame you. (laughs) Okay. Um, but they're having that all get done on device instead of it being something being done in the cloud or even requiring, you know, an internet connection of any kind. Um, as far as the reasons behind this, uh, I don't think it's because, you know, they expect people to not have connectivity. I think a lot of this has to do with 5g, which is, you know, 
depending upon who you are, would be a selling point for this. Um, I think 5G is, you know, there's nothing about 5G that's pro-consumer. Um, and I think that, you know, the ten- the Tensor chip, like the purpose of it doing everything on device is so that it's essentially not clogging the ridiculously well, just stupid <laughs> 5G pipes, as it were, or, you know, it's not taking up that bandwidth um, and it's doing more of it on device. I think that's a lot of where um, I've noticed a few other major apps and services that have suddenly been announcing, oh, yeah, do this offline in case you lose Internet connectivity. And I really think all of that has to while in general, I see things being done offline as a boon. I don't think they're doing that to support the idea of you not being connected. They're doing it to help the 5G, you know, takeover, uh, <laughs> you know, to help with, with the bandwidth of that, you know, and, and, and kind of, yeah, just, just take a load off of the bandwidth. So it's not by design, it's not really to help you, but ultimately I think it can to where you just have a phone that can do a lot more modern stuff without being connected to the internet, which I think is a, you know, in the abstract is a fine and dandy thing, but you got to have the right attitude and put that phone in its place. Um, so do I recommend, uh, the pixel six look, the pixel six and the six pro, especially, I mean, they're huge. I don't like the size of them. I am a much bigger fan of sub five inch screen phones. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the best phones on the planet right now, like flat out. I, I think they're, they're just, and, and most of the reviews on, you know, varying sites and people that I, I have some trust in, um, as far as like consumer tech goes, uh, you know, are giving it like nine out of 10, nine out of 10. I mean, you know, it's as close to a perfect phone as, as things have gotten. Um, and outside, you know, if it didn't have 5g, I would agree with that. Uh, now you can, at least theoretically, you can turn off 5g right now. You have that option where you can just keep it on 4g. And as you know, 5g stands right now, you'll actually get better speeds by staying on 4g in 99% of the areas that, you know, that, that, that you happen to uh, frequent. Um, so I think that's a fine thing. So even though you have a 5g phone, understand you don't have to use 5g, you can still use 4g until the day comes where 4g much like 3g has been shut down or planned to shut down on some networks, uh, gets shut down, you know, entirely those radios, like just stop being used. Or should I say those signals, uh, you know, stop getting used. So, you know, you can ignore the 5G part of it, but it's there and it's uh, it's on by soft switch. So if Google wants it on or the powers that be, they, them, those wants it on your shit out of luck. Um, but, you know, again, you, you have a great phone uh, and, and you know, I, I'd recommend them outside of the 5G. I, you know, yes. I mean, these things look amazing. Uh, maybe in a year we'll find out that they don't have such, you know, such a long life ahead of them and that the first tensor chip was a bad idea or a bad implementation or something that could certainly end up being the case. Uh, but you know, Google is, does the one thing they do right is, you know, patches and updates, um, you know, and, and making sure that you have the latest version of Android, uh, Android 12 to speak on that specifically, um, I think is a vast improvement over Android 11, Android 11, a lot of the little features, which I liked at first over time. And with certain apps, the implementation doesn't work very well. Um, like having the, like having the, like the sound center that comes from the pull down drawer, um, 
that has been really touch and go. I like the idea in concept, but it, it just seems to flake. And, you know, I'm on phones that get the latest security patches and everything as well. Um, but an Android 11 has not been a great experience. Um, same with like the, the chat heads, all those things have been a little fluky. Android 12 seems to resolve a lot of that. So I like a lot of what I see in Android 12 and yeah, it's got a great look in comparison to previous versions of Android, you know, certainly. Um, but you know, if you want to hold out for Android 11, you know, or Android 12 from the lineage OS guys, or you're going with Calyx OS or something like that. Hey, great. You know, fucking dynamite like no argument from me on that and you know that's another area where pixel devices are often ref often reference devices for custom roms um on phones so you know like if you want to rock calyx os or lineage os a pixel phone like the pixel 6 is going to get into the community very quickly and be developed for for many years to come more so than any other device that you can buy today um, so yeah, the, other than the 5g, these do come with my, I think they look like amazing phones. Uh, but you know, don't think for a second that the tensor chip has anything to do with making your life better. Um, it's more about making the infrastructure, uh, easier, you know, it's making life easier on the interconnected infrastructure, um, that, you know, smartphones operate with in this case, 5g also. Google knows as a company, they have to do this. And this is where it might be seen as a way of, um, being pro consumer. They know they have to do this because Apple right now is essentially wiping the floor with the entire, uh, uh consumer tech industry. Okay. Now understand that Amazon is just waiting in the wings and coming out with, you know, everything that I'm talking about that Google and Apple are doing in this episode, Amazon's doing all of it. It's just, they're so damn stealthy about it. You don't know. You don't know that they've already made their own uh, processor, right? Based on arm, which essentially the tensor process or the tensor chip is based on arm Apple's, you know, a nine, you know, a series and their M series, which they announced in the recent event with new laptops, um, the M one pro and the M one pro max, uh, those are, you know, essentially souped up arm processors, but you know, with, with unique architecture that, that Apple has developed, I don't want to take too much away from that, but let's be clear on what they are. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, they've gotten away from X, X86, X64, and you know, now they're, they're, they're on arm and, and that's, that's the end of it. So Google, but here's the thing, here's what Apple's doing with their announcement of their, their new MacBooks. Okay. And the new MacBook pro, uh, especially that came out the Monday before the announcement for the pixel six, um, they, <laughs> well here, like I said, they, they're, they're living the dream. They control the, the, the OS, the software and the hardware, and they get to create that unified experience. Right. And while I haven't seen any benchmarks from any independent parties, what at least Apple is saying on paper is unfucking believable. Uh, and, and to a large degree, I believe them because a lot of times when, you know, like, you know, when, when a, when a PC company, when a manufacturer says, Oh yeah, we get this benchmark and we get this kind of battery life. You could probably cut that in half in real world usage or so, or at least a quarter, but Apple's usually right. <laughs> okay. I mean, their charts are meaningless, but as far as like battery life and some of the performance that they talk about, that usually ends up being true credit you know, credit where it's due. Okay. Um, I'm not an Apple fanboy. There was a time, but that was fuck. That was 20 years ago. 
anyway, uh, but there was a time, okay. Um, you know, the G4 cube, still one of the greatest computers ever developed. Um, but yeah, so they're doing their own thing. And with the M1 Pro Max, like that, what is it? The, the GPU is 32 cores and, and it's a 10 core CPU and it's doing all the business, you know, that people are used to doing and, and developing and, and creating and making um, on, on their Mac computers. Holy shit. And you can see what's going on here, right? And, and this is, I mean, we, we've known this since the M1 was a thing, is, and, and even before then, that Apple was tired of waiting on Intel to get their act together and make better processors, make better chips. And so they did it themselves. And fucking A, <laughs> I mean, the speeds that they were talking about and everything that was going, blown away, blown away. They, they, they just, they just, I mean, essentially they just crushed like every other PC, every, you know, every other computer manufacturer and to some degree phone manufacturer. Again, this is why Google is making their own processors now because they, they know the only way they're going to beat Apple is by tailoring the experience between OS and hardware and making that, you know, making that unified, but they have to design the hardware themselves, right? Google has to, you know, like it's gotta be custom. That's what Apple does. And they know if they're going to beat Apple at their game and Amazon, who's just, you know, flying around like a stealth bomber. That's what they, that's what Google has to do. So is, you know, the M one pro max, is that besting like the best of what Nvidia or AMD has to offer as far as GPUs? Um, some of what I've seen, the claims are that it has performance relative to like a, to like a, a GTX 3060. Um, I've, I've heard, you know, some differing views on this. Uh, let's be clear. Macs have never been known to be gaming PCs. Not, not like PCs themselves are, you know, not like windows machines particularly, but again, they are, you know, this is something the M one line or the M M series of processors are, well, VESOCs, you know, this is something that they are working on continually. I mean, like the M one pro and the pro max, I mean, just smoke the original M one, you know? So over time, like they're concentrating on getting certain benchmarks set that meet their usual market. But in a year or two, could Apple suddenly give a shit about PC gaming and welcome into the fold, you know, Epic and steam and whoever, and make them the new home. Uh, because you know, they're just, their pro their M series processors are just, you know, and the GPUs are, are just killing what, whatever Intel or Nvidia is, is putting together. Yeah, sure. I don't see why they couldn't do that. Um, so really the, like the, the, they just dominated, you know, and, and we'll get, to, we got to get some real world stuff, but even if it doesn't exactly show up as they described, you know, during their event, maybe in a year or two, it will be at that level of power. And, you know, the, the rest of the industry has to catch up and NVIDIA in particular has to catch up. And I don't know if they can, because NVIDIA is running into all kinds of trouble now, right? With the EU, because they're trying to acquire ARM itself. Um, so Apple, like Apple's the dominant player in computers right now. It's unbelievable to think, but they are. Um, and this is all going to translate to their smartphones. Okay. Uh, like, you know, the iPhone 13. Yeah. There's nothing exciting about the iPhone, iPhone 13, but what you got to understand, okay. 
Wait, before I, what you have to understand, before I get into that, and I want to wrap this up fast. Yes, the notch on the MacBooks is fucking stupid. <laughs> no argument for me on that. Ridiculous. What the hell are you doing? No, I mean, I know what they're doing. They want to fit, uh, you know, like a 14 inch screen in an 11 inch body, right? Like I, or whatever the numbers are, I get what they're trying to do. Uh, but that, that looks horrible. You know, I don't think, uh, unfortunately, all the other advantages that come along with the new MacBooks, I don't think are going to keep people from sending the market signal that the notch was a mistake. I wish it would. But, you know, I mean, the other thing, big deal about the MacBooks is, right, you got your classic keyboard back, you got all your ports back and everything. I mean, Apple just rewound to 2015, you know, in what they offered. And they just boosted the power and went back to the 2015, you know, style uh, or offerings that a MacBook had and that people loved, rightfully so. Um, So, you know, I, I mean, just calling it other than that fucking notch. These are the best computers on the market. You know, by the numbers. Okay, real world, we might find out something different, but but from what we've seen, these sound like the best computers on the market today, just flat out. Now, um, the iPhone 13 and, and everything else going on with Apple, here's what you got to understand what Apple's doing. They are laying the groundwork, the framework for their own vision of the future, much like, you know, Zuckerberg has his Zuckerverse vision of the future. We'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. Um, Apple has their own and there've been other commentators that have talked about this as well, but we keep wondering like, wait, why is Apple throwing, especially in iPhones? Why are they throwing like all this raw horsepower that the smartphone just doesn't need? Like it's so much overkill of what they're putting into their smartphones. Why are they doing this? What's, what's the plan? Well, the plan is because again, Apple will support to their credit. They will support much like Google does when we talked about their pixel line, will support, you know, software updates for years and years and years and years and years. Okay. Which is good. Um, but I think they're planning hard on an AR future as an augmented reality, right? They are planning really, really hard on that. And all of the like beefiness that they're putting into their products including things that they're doing with the M one pro max and so on um, is getting all of their hardware that they're going to continue to support ready for when they are going to launch, like just suddenly I, I at least this is my opinion when they're going to launch this, this like AR future. That's why, I mean, I, I've talked about this before that, you know, Apple wants you, you know, they don't even want you to use the smartphone right? They want you, I mean, I've been saying this for years. They want you to just have what's in your ear, right? They just want you to have the AirPods. Maybe eventually they'll have glasses and other, and we know they're developing all these things. Um, but they want you to get away from the computer itself, even, you know, and do everything either by voice or, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. Um, obviously the MacBook, you know, computer isn't really going to go anywhere, but the smartphone, I think they want that to essentially fade away, you know, and more or less disappear, even though, you know, what do you do about a camera then? So, I mean, you wonder about that, but they are looking hard at an AR. I think they're looking hard at an AR future. And that's the underlying reason behind all the horsepower they're developing, everything they're doing underneath and why they got into, it's not just about like waiting on Intel. It's also about, okay, we're going to create an entire separate infrastructure in many ways, their own universe that their client, you know, that their customers can live in that only exists when you're in their ecosystem and have their products. 
And that's, that's the secret behind, you know, all the sauce that they've been making lately. Now is Google looking to do the same thing? Yeah, I could, I could imagine they want to go in that direction as well. Um, I think Google has slightly different designs in that they're looking to build like, I mean, you know, Google's been honest about it. Like they've said, our goal is for, you know, you know, the computer on the enterprise D right out of star Trek. We want the star Trek computer where you ask it a question and it answers you, you ask it, you know, and it just does it and all this. And I think their solution to that is to give everybody a supercomputer, you know, and that way the infrastructure is every person on the planet. Now, are these good things? No, <laughs> none of these things, in my opinion, are good, but this is, these are the end games. And I think Techtober really showed off a lot of what the end games are. What, what's Microsoft doing? Microsoft's all about the enterprise space. They know that's where they're making their money and they're making insane amounts of money. I mean, in teams like Microsoft teams, what are they up? 50%. I mean, just, just like insane numbers that Microsoft is doing all while just concentrating on, you know, uh, uh, you know, schools enterprise and so on, you know, education and enterprise and of course military. Uh, but you know, that's, that's where they're at. They'll let everybody else develop all these metaverses and alternate universes and whatever that, that, that people are going to be living in. It, it's, it is interesting times for sure. Um, but you're seeing with a lot of this custom hardware, you're seeing that this is, this is the sea change. This is the direction that all of this custom hardware is looking at. So you can use it how you're used to using it for what you want, but know that these companies are looking at a very different future than you are, or at least one that you can't see right now until they sell you the glasses that let you see it. More sovereign tech to come. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.